everyone and welcome back to another episode of Women Talk Tech. Today I'm joined by Jasmine Blum, Talent Acquisition Lead from Lemon Markets. Jasmine shares her insights on the process behind building a talent manifesto with diversity in mind and the importance of this for early stage hiring. Jasmine also walks us through her process behind finding the right talent and the tools she would recommend you to use. Such an insightful conversation even I learned from. Honestly, I hope you love it. So Jasmine, tell me a little bit more about yourself. So hi everyone, I'm Jasmine. I do all things talent here in Lemon Marks, but a bit more about myself. I have around five years experience within uh, the TA space and a strong background within um, sourcing. So initially I have a background in sociology and statistics. I always found people and data very interesting, kind of fell into recruitment by accident, um, as I think for for many um, of us it's the case. So um, yeah, but I really, really fell in love with it and uh, started out in an agency with very little resources. So really needed to, to learn to do recruitment with very little, which was great. And then, yeah, always worked in and for fintech. I really kind of liked the intersection of finance technology. And um, yeah, then more and more went on to really work with startups and early stage companies, really where you design processes on how to hire people. We're really finding the purple shiny unicorn matters. Um, went on then um, in-house and joined as one of the first sources in, in N26. That also made me move back to Germany. I initially started out working for an, an Irish agency, so never really worked in Germany, even though I'm German. And yeah. Um, had a great journey in N26. We grew, I think, a team out of like six or seven. Um, you know, introduced really sourcing processes, did a lot around DNI, and then at some point I got approached by the Lemon Markets and uh, had the chance to join as a first full-time TTA person to really build out hiring, talent acquisition, anything around that uh, in Lemon Markets. And um, yeah, what do we do? We build brokerage infrastructure, so infrastructure for companies to offer investment product or features, meaning things like stock trading or investment into ETFs. Um, yeah, we're early stage, so we're pre-launch, which is really exciting. Um, really the early days of building a company, building processes, getting people in. And yeah, that's what I do. Nice, nice, nice. Awesome. And before we kind of get stuck into, you know, the whole DNI topic, really keen to know exactly what it means to you because I from from doing the podcast, I realized that everyone sees it very differently. And it's such a big umbrella that covers so many little small topics. But just for yourself, what does DNI mean to you and why is it important to you? Yeah, super interesting question, right? Like and you can approach it different from different angles, right? I think but DNI really from means for me a understanding that we come from different backgrounds of different ability with different life stories um, and really utilizing that, but also understanding how that impacts our ability um, to do the job, how we act in life, how we interact and really in that sense, understanding, accepting that people are different. Um, but on the other hand, also then, um, which is the I being inclusive, um, really leveling the playing field and making sure that there is ways for everyone to participate, to feel home, to feel like they can belong, right, in a very general sense. So in that sense, really celebrating and acknowledging that we all come from different backgrounds, but also understanding how then mechanisms in society work that um, also not make it always very fast. So in that sense, also a lot of reflection that you need to do, um, understanding your own kind of privilege and so on. So um, yeah, and then ultimately really understanding that everyone's own experience is very 
very subjective, very singular. So you have your own intersection, um, like the different kind of experiences that you had. Um, and yeah, and you can try to, I think, understand as much as possible um, of someone else's experience, but you never fully understand individual experiences. And so it's a lot of lending allyship, understanding each other. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that's what's the most interesting for me as well, right? Is that understanding that you might not know or have been through the exact same experience as anyone else, but being open to, I guess, include them no matter what they've been through, right? And understanding exactly what, what it is. Yeah, yeah. And this is like sometimes really tough, right? You need to really reflect and it's 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 just difficult. But I think being really positive and I think creating a positive experience and environment around that, that, you know, challenging each other, but creating an environment where you can also admit on, hey, I didn't even think about that. Um, and this is really important, I think, right? Because you want to really create a positive environment around the whole topic of DNI. Um yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, amazing. And of course, I'd love to kind of go dive a bit deeper into your kind of journey into HR. Because um, like you said, right, um, no one wakes up or no one is born and bred. I want to be a recruiter. I hope not anyway. I mean, who knows? I, I don't want to say not everyone, uh, but I didn't. So of course, I'm sure that my experience is probably very similar to you. So how did you kind of get into HR? And, you know, especially the experience at N26. Tell me a bit more about that. Yeah. So like initially, as I said, um, so I was studying sociology and, and statistics or so people and data, what I really like, I think it was really hard for me to understand how to utilize that. So I did some research project at uni, for instance, around kind of um, well-being and motivation and, and uncertainty um, of events and the, the impact on, on motivation of like employees and so on. So I always had a bit of touch point with that, with kind of industrial psychology or sociology. Um, but I think one day I just really woke up and felt like, okay, the place that I was living at, um, it didn't really fully like it. I was like, yeah, that's great. But I never really saw myself at least for the short term to really, to really live in Germany because I felt it was a very... Um, close society is not really open-minded and I just knew of friends who actually kind of were living and working in Ireland and it's like that is a very interesting mark because a lot of U.S. tech companies actually enter the European market over over Ireland so it was like well I can go somewhere where I can really be part of the society you can really be close to um, innovation while working with really um, good and interesting uh, tech companies but also I think in that sense in Ireland it was always um, they were looking a lot of for different language speakers where you not only would be an English speaker but English and German or something so because they have a lot of multinational companies so that kind of made it easy then to kind of start into the whole area of um, TA and, and HR so that's kind of like how I fell into it and literally just applied for my first job without even knowing properly what recruitment was um, which was I think is very interesting even looking back that you apply for a job where you hope other people finding jobs or getting jobs being accepted into companies but you never in that sense hold held like a full-time job right which is um yeah very interesting but I learned a lot there which was really really great and um yeah moving on to kind of my experience then at um at N26 uh, in that sense was the first really in-house experience and which was great um and yeah but it was so interesting that I didn't have a proper kind of sourcing function or anything and I was really intrigued by that um really building that out because in the end while they had I think a strong brand recognition still as everywhere 
um, it's really hard to find a really, really good talent. I think that's something they recognize and wanted to build out. And in general, I think in Germany, sourcing or talent sourcing is very much in its infancies. Um, you don't have a lot of tooling around that. It's usually considered an entry-level role into recruitment or maybe a small part of recruitment. Um, so in that sense, a lot of education work internally on how to build it out, that you're part of intake meetings, that you really build a talent pool. Um, so a lot of work around that, but also getting the right tools and the right processes. Um, and yeah, but they were like great people like joining, people had prior experience in, in talent sourcing. And it was really, really good fun then, you know, also to do specific kind of events focused on, on you know, bringing talents in that usually don't necessarily apply. So for instance, like, you know, female um, backend engineers, I'm specifically going out, sourcing for them, looking at what are the hurdles, doing interviewing, interview process. And yeah, they did at some point, for instance, the comparison to see kind of how different people, for instance, perform in take-home tests versus um, kind of, yeah, whiteboard sessions and kind of looked a bit into really having a data-driven approach on how, People perform during interview processes and then also looking at whether there's an all-male or, you know, mixed interviewer panel. So that was quite interesting. And in the end, yeah, it was kind of clear that obviously, which I think many people know, like females versus male candidates, um, interview apply, but interview and apply differently. Um, doesn't mean that they're, you know, more or less skilled. It's just, I think, it's a lot around imposter syndrome, confidence, sometimes it plays a role but also how, um, on the other hand, you know, bias that interviewers have, right? We all are biased. And I think, um, yeah, ultimately we had like um, a few specific, um, yeah, hiring days where we didn't alter the interview process, but had specific days where, for instance, all kind of female and non-binary people would only kind of um, be interviewed by female and non-binary people, as well as had some form of fireside chat and more insights into kind of leadership, which I think gave a lot of confidence then to applicants yeah. and candidates, how working at that company would look like. Um, and yeah, I mean, we had great success, but it was a lot of very specific sourcing and, you know, getting people ready. So at that point I had in general, passed the technical test and first interviewing and then kind of had in very short time, you know, went through through other interview stages like, you know, system design, pair programming and so on. So, yeah. And how was the kind of diversity at N26? Because I imagine with a with a big brand and name like N26, I guess attracting diverse talent maybe wouldn't have been tricky because, of course, you had the employer branding and, yeah, you just kind of had a name for yourself or for themselves how was that in terms of sourcing for diverse talent at N26 how did you find that I would say in general within tech you would always say oh it shouldn't be that hard right but in general also the reality is you don't have yeah um, just we look at the pure numbers you don't have as many female non-married people in, in tech so it's obviously a harder competition um, but I think in general also if you look at the whole space of fintech, it's it's even less, right? Yeah, so yeah. there's obviously also areas where maybe, you know, certain people are more drawn to. So I, I don't um, can fully say anything around like motivation there, like kind of, but it, just if you're looking at the pure numbers, it's in general also in fintech a, a bit lower. And I think it's still like the finance world is sometimes a bit more male dominant, a bit harsh. And obviously fintech's trying to be different there. But in general, like you have a smaller 
pond to fish in, let's say. That's that's a pure reality. Um, and then also, obviously, you need to also then really excite um, candidates for, for what, what you're doing and what they're doing. And um, in general, also, I think um, it's quite tough to also... Um, yeah, find find great candidates or female engineers, for instance, in Germany. I think it's also a place where you have even fewer. So there's obviously other locations where you have a lot of great female engineers. I think anyone who's in sourcing here know that also the narrative a bit around software engineering is in different cultures, very different, right? It's positively, it's usually kind of, you know, a kind of powerhouse. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in that sense, obviously going into like international, like we hired around the globe, right? Like location wouldn't matter, which I think was great. That really, really helped. Then creating a lot of like awesome materials, like different, like um, not only different kind of hiring events, but also in that sense, things like small, small videos where like female engineering managers or head of engineering would kind of um, explain their journey and give a bit more insights, right? So in that sense, creating ways for, for candidates or applicants to possibly like connect, right? In the end, I truly believe people connect with people right so also in that sense leveraging um engineering managers network so have them reach out right yeah. um, things like that obviously or you know um other things around that they are speakers at events which is obviously great um then you have specifically kind of female driven events i think the biggest is women in tech network or um women in tech world series a few like conferences right if you obviously place there um employees of your company that represent your companies that obviously helps yeah in general it really comes down to driving a culture that's welcoming and accepting as well as um small things like your team speaking great about your company your team going out could clearly see where we had already more diverse teams that that would be kind of like an accelerator effect yeah 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 teams with kind of female ems that would be way easier to kind of find um more female just in that sense hire more more female engineers in those in those teams so um it's yeah in that sense um great anchor effect yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess compare that now to your role at uh, Lemon Markets, of course, very different. Uh, early stage, a lot smaller. You joined as one of the first people in the kind of TA function. So yeah, how has that been? And, and you know, what does your role now at Lemon Markets involve? Yeah, so it's really in that sense, um, was obviously very different, right? Um, the, the beauty of it, you're more or less starting from scratch, right? So when I joined, there were a few people that somewhat did a bit of um, sourcing. For instance, they even found Gem, which I think is great for an early stage company, finding a sequencing tool. It's actually how they also reached out where I was like very confused. How is it possible that it's such an early stage company um, and use kind of a sequencing tool, but they were very clear on the importance of, of hiring and getting the right and great people. So there were, um, you know, in, in ATS as well as in HRS um, were somewhat decided on. So this was uh, there, but then really you're sitting more or less at a blank canvas where you can decide on what's important, why do we do hiring, what are our kind of principles that guide us. Um, so kind of the first month what we did wrote some form of a talent manifesto writing down like how we're looking to hire, what are we looking to do, what's important to us in doing that, what are kind of our principles, which sounds not as important, but looking back, I think um, people coming from such different backgrounds, you need to really align once and for all, like how do we do hiring, why we're doing that, because the first few hires that you make are really, really important. And then also when it comes to kind of leadership hiring back in the day, I think we, we were very clear on um, making sure that at least have there already some some diversity on, on leadership level. 
which um, took us a little longer, but I think it was really important to do that. And that was like a lot driven by by leadership that they were really like, we really want uh, in that sense to get this right from the beginning. And this was really, really refreshing that um, while I would still say until today, it's it's a challenge and so on, but um, the awareness is there. And I think that's, that's yeah. so important at the beginning um, that you have people that are supporting um, the topic, the cast, that educate themselves, but also that enable you um, to clearly put this onto the agenda. So, yeah, yeah, I think especially in early stage companies, right? I think we look at culture as, unfortunately, in the very early stages of a company, the the, the culture is the founders. They are the the people that start everything from the beginning. They are the kind of leaders of all. Uh, aspects of whatever they're doing right so I guess for you having founders that really championed DNI from the very beginning I'm sure helped you in your role I'm sure yeah yeah 100% like you know you can as a TA person you can only drive so much and I think it's also in general when it comes to DNI if it's only driven by you know TA and the people team that's that's not enough right um, that only goes so far and it's something you need to kind of instill from the very beginning right and this is a lot of having very difficult and open conversation and really hearing um, where people are coming from, picking them up um, on their journey, like where they are at when it comes to DNI and how far they already have gone and, and not, right? So in that sense, that's really important. But um, small little things like being very clear on, yes, we are a company that's headquartered in Berlin, but not everyone speaks German. And the problem that we're solving is also uh, not just, you yeah. know, does not only concern Germany, but it's a European problem. So why don't we speak English and we're an English-speaking company? And also like the small things that every information is accessible, um, but it comes down really down to the core and these small things really already then mean something and make sure that anyone coming in, for instance, that doesn't speak German, they feel like they can participate in every conversation, every document that's written and everything, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you mentioned that when you first joined Lemon Markets, you put together what was called the Talent Manifesto. Um, so yeah, really keen to kind of dive a bit deeper into that because I'm sure there's probably a lot of other companies out there thinking, hey, I want to do something like this. What does it involve? What do I need to do? So yeah, tell me a bit more about that, that journey yeah. and what it was. So I think it was firstly just um, aligning on kind of what is the purpose of this, right? So why do we do hiring and how do we do hiring, right? So really a few principles in terms of, for us, we are looking to, to give a great experience, we want to be known as a great place to work, as well as we want to um, really, in that sense, have a universal experience. So regardless on where you are hired and which department, you can't have the same experience, right? So in that sense, just standardizing things, which also then in the end helps us with speed, as well as with clarity on all internal stakeholders side, right? They know, okay, whenever we do hiring, this is what we do. So for instance, at some point, which was also a work in progress, we said we get strong signals by having some form of proof of work, as yeah. well as if you're a highly regulated company with a strong writing culture, right? So in that sense, giving some form of proof of work, some problem solving where you have a written assignment and in some form of way you prepare something in advance that you bring to a final interview stage that is discussed then um, already gives us a strong indication on the how people break down problems how they kind of structure their thoughts how they kind of align with their writing culture and something that we just at some point put down so we knew no one for instance gonna get hired without a having been on site or you know having shown some yeah, yeah. Work. so 
it sometimes sounds very simple, but really just by making it very clear, but also things writing things down like hiring the team spot. We're all in this together, right? Really making sure that um who who's responsible for what, for instance, defining clearly roles, you know, what is the role of a hiring manager, what is the role of a recruiter or interviewer, right? Kind of making this clear of if you participate in the hiring process, um, what do you need to do um, in which capacity, right? So small little things, defining roles, responsibilities, but also a bit more really in general our approach and mindset and how we think about it. Um, and that was then what we always kind of linked and was in that sense a lovely kind of notion page, a little kind of, um, yeah, call-outs and little kind of, you know, things that you can fold out and so on. So um, it was kind of like a manifesto and go-to place um, that really then helped um, whenever someone was kind of joining us in hiring that they knew where to go to and why we're doing things and how we're doing things like find also how we do evaluations what's important for us right small SLAs and so on yeah 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 and I'm sure at that point right that early stage hiring is so important and actually getting people on board who are also going to follow that manifesto is equally as important so I guess for, for you as well you saw you saw the hiring from the very beginning. You were part of it and you've been there from, from almost day one. I guess, why is early stage hiring so important? And what are the downsides if not done correctly? Because I've seen it a lot and I've seen bad hires be made. Um, I mean, I, I joined Impala Search when I was, well, I was employee number one. So I kind of like you, right, from the beginning. Um, so yeah, from your side, why is it so important? I think the, the cost of the wrong hire are- it's it's so big it's so great right like the impact of making the wrong hire right but also on the other hand the acceleration that you see when someone joins where you just know they're great right this is obviously something you see the impact of someone really picking things up driving things forward have the right ownership someone adding a new perspective from a culture perspective right it's not someone that you know brings in the same view but a fresh view a different perspective right so you see both, right? The impact of really when you make the right hire and you usually see it already, I think, six to eight weeks in, even at the three-month mark, you see kind of all the productive things that they simplified, questions that we have answered. But also on the other hand, then, um, you know, making making the wrong hire is also something that can be quite crucial. But I think the really, the difficult part about early stage hiring is getting things right of you need, in that sense, very specific talent that, obviously is is used to the zero to one stage or at least knows what they're getting themselves into yeah yeah, yeah. Um, startup talent you need to be able and willing to wear multiple hats at the same time roughly is very specific um and also usually they're multi-skilled they're quite broad in the skill set and generalists so um the early days you're looking for really talented generalists and at some point you're switching into the specialist phase and then you also need to see how you change your hiring for that but also from a culture perspective how you then really bring strong operators in and how that kind of then matches in terms of culture and how you yeah um navigate the changes and also because with every person coming in your culture changes a little bit so yeah 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 no definitely and and, you know, what mistakes did you make quite early on? Uh, not that we want to talk all about the bad, but I think it's really good to to at least highlight that and see what you learned from that. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were mistakes, if not amazing. <laughs> but, yeah, what mistakes did you make early on and, and how did you really learn from those? Yeah, really interesting question. I think there's um, a few things. Um, I think 
what's really important and also I think the talent manifesto was an outcome not of a mistake but of a I kind of came in and I thought okay well there's experienced people and yes we need to align a bit but I wanted to get going off uh, right from the start right yeah. but then I very quickly I realized okay people have very different experiences and also different expectation towards you so I would say that was kind of an outcome of like the first months of really like okay hey I think we need to sit down which was also something was a lot kind of driven um actually by, by our founder because also in a different era we had kind of written another manifesto so in that sense because we had the strong writing culture was like hey why don't you just like really write down and realign on yeah um it was a lot done in in alignment with with our founders and other kind of people within the business that had touch point with talent and different hiring managers. Um, so that was kind of an outcome of like learning, even if you think people know hirings and you really need to set the standard and communicate that and align on that and bring people along. And I think that also, um, not the other mistake, but I would say you constantly cannot assume you you need to take the time also to to train people on interviewing and hiring even though you don't necessarily have time and people are experienced but just because you're experienced in your area doesn't necessarily mean you know how to do great interviews to ask the right question to also give a great candidate experience I think this is also something you sometimes underestimated you also want to cultivate a way of people giving candidate experience throughout the different processes, right? And this is something where I started at some point sitting in interviews and understand how do you ask questions? Because you obviously you get also the feedback from candidates, how they experience interviews. Um, and it wasn't necessarily like negative, but you just feel like people have very different ways of, of interviewing, right? And in that sense, it's good to also understand um, how do you want to speak about um, our company? How do you want to speak about our culture? So in that sense, um, taking the time early on also to do a form of interview training, I think is very important um, and really being there as somewhat as a um, as a guide. So I always in that sense have a bit of a hands-off approach in terms of, hey, I'm here. Yeah happy to help you know um, we have a space where people can leave kind of templates there's also some resources around how to ask questions if you don't know how to come up with questions or ask for certain things so there's a lot of like material but in that time there was like I know you got that um, and then um, see whether people want to kind of have there's some um, some reflection together or need a soundboard around that um, but yeah I would definitely say that um, don't don't just assume um, people yeah. know how to hire and how to interview I think that's that's a big learning so yeah 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 well I, I think I agree right because I think hiring is one thing doing it properly and doing it right and giving candidates a good experience is another thing anyone not anyone but you know you could go out there and, and hire a team right have you done it the right way have you given them the best experience are they going to also recommend you to someone else um, or have you just gone crazy and hired 10 people because you need them desperately? And I think that's what the difference is. It's doing it properly and, and giving candidates a really, really amazing experience so that their their experience of you, if they stay here for five years, or they leave after a week, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah, it's not only the experience, but also really the whole process, which I truly believe in. You interview us as much as we interview you. And I think more and more people now also gain the confidence or also really use interview processes to understand what is the company actually offering me, not necessarily around maybe benefit, but really does their offering in terms of what they need me to do, like the differential yeah. where I'm going in, does it align with I want? So it's a lot around expectation management, especially in the early days, you clearly need to align on what is the problem that we're solving? How can you contribute that? What is the experience that you can leverage? And where do we expect you to kind of grow 
further into where do you need um, support, where do we expect you to develop on, where are the areas that you're not 100% um, you know, sufficient in yet, right? I think it's really important to do a lot of alignment. So not only, you know, great experience, let's say, you know, selling, a, you know, a company or startup, great an opportunity, but really also understanding, does it align with what they want in their career as well as what they're looking to learn? Um, understanding how do they like to work? Does it align with how we work, right? I think it's a lot really around aligning expectations yeah. and this way you set people up for success because in the early days in startups, there's so much uncertainty. Um, you always at some point need to revamp processes or have outgrown them. Um, so it's something that you naturally need to deal with. But if you have very clear on what's the mission and where you're going, I think, um, and really communicate that clearly to candidates, um, I think that's that's quite important. And also, especially since, um, which I think something you, you probably know as well, especially if you're higher in Germany, between when someone agrees to join and when they start, they sometimes can be three months or four months in between, which it's, a lot of time in a startup right to really keep in touch keeping them uh, in the loop on, on progress progress that impacts the area of work is, is really important too yeah yeah I could I, I actually touched upon that very briefly in another podcast as well because I think that that three months is a hell of a long time so much can happen I mean I've been through an experience where a guy said he was going to start then found a new job in that three months never heard from him again since never started the job which I got him so you know it's so crazy and I think in many early stage startups, right, you want someone ASAP, you need someone now. Uh, but unfortunately, um, three months is the kind of standard period. So do you go for someone who's available tomorrow? Or do you wait for that person who you really want that is available in three months? So just understanding how the German market works is really important. Yeah, yeah. And I would also say, I think for us, it was always more, um, really wanted the right person. And then in the end, in the grand scheme, like two weeks don't make it a big difference, even like a month. Um, but whether you found the right person, um, that can really make it a big difference. So whether they're starting a month earlier or later, I think doesn't necessarily um, really play a big role, obviously still. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah. quickly and so on. But I think still, I think if I can give one advice, I would encourage people to not necessarily pay attention so much to whether people are available right now or also I don't think it says a lot about people nowadays, whether they've been laid off or not. I think there's still a bit of the whole rumor around that, you know, you're not a great performer, not like a great candidate if you've been laid off. I mean, so many things in the market are happening right now. And sometimes you're just really, really unlucky or, you know, you're in your notice period. So I, I wouldn't, you know, pay attention to that so much. But also in the end, um, I would not only focus on the candidates which are available immediately right now. Um, you really need to look for the game-changing candidate. And sometimes it also means really nurturing relationships. And sometimes you have conversations. We, for instance, have one, one drop, which is called Unexpected Awesome Person, where we're kind of um, giving people the opportunity to apply that want to contribute to lemon markets um, in whatever way possible, wherever they see, which is usually still comes down to them having an understanding of what we're building, right? Um, because sometimes just... Just because we don't have a job advertised doesn't mean that at some point we will need support in certain areas, right? So sometimes just you need to start conversations early and we'll then go back to, to a candidate or to a conversation and pick it up later at a time because then actually organization is ready or the person is ready. So, um, yeah. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And I think we'd love to kind of also talk about the sourcing topic because I think you mentioned it earlier, right? I think it's I don't want to say it's underestimated, but it's part of the recruitment, like you said, that entry level or anyone can do that. And and it 
it's it's really not the case. I think it is. It I don't know why it comes across easier, but that's it. That's the impression, right? You know, but it's not the case. Um, why is it important to you? And I guess when did you realize that sourcing was something that that you were actually really interested in? Yeah, I think I just like the whole challenge of the part, like the challenge of it. So if someone tells you, I don't think you can find that person, then I'm yeah, try me. Like let's yeah. let's see. <laughs> so, um, and I think it's also just a whole like strategic approach the research part and then also the resilience that you need and the creativity of it right I think it's problem so we need to look at a problem from 10 15 20 different angles and not get bored of it right so you need to be able to really look at a problem from so many different angles and reapproach it in different ways I think that's a lot what sourcing is about yeah and then the creativity part and also a bit of the the structure in us and sometimes as you can take some time away and and um we all notice you sometimes get a bit uh you know down the rabbit hole when you source but really avoiding that and having a strategic approach i think that's that's great um what i really like about it but it's also it's really the key especially to early stage hiring like you need to know how and where to find um your candidates so i think it's it's very similar to how you have a go-to-market approach, right? You need to map your competitor. If you know the competitor relative companies, which are either your your customers or um, they're relevant in other kind of um, areas of your business and, and, you know, different parts of the value chain that, that you're in, um, they're obviously also relevant then from a, from a talent sourcing perspective, right? I think um, when people, for instance, have experience, um, you know, in, in con- consulting or, you know, in go-to-market or kind of such, it's similar to that. Um, you know, obviously recruitment is, is not sales. I strongly believe that it's very different. Um, but um, I think really the strategic approach and knowing where to find which skill set, which experience um, is really, really key. Like, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I really, really like it. Um, it sometimes is very time consuming. So you need to know how to be efficient, but also it's really um, really, really cool to kind of also look into new tools and automate a lot and work hard also work smart so I guess now also like with the rise of like you know AI and so on I think that's one topic which is also I think quite quite cool um because you can definitely I think become a good saucer a good decent saucer quickly if you know how to kind of utilize certain tools and how to automate and so on but um yeah I mean for me I just just went into it out of pure um lack of resources I think in my very first agency we we didn't have um, LinkedIn recruiter, so we just had regular LinkedIn so and drop board. So you needed to obviously really master Boolean string, which was back back in what is 2018. So back then obviously also things looked a bit differently. Um, but also knowing um, certain tools how to automate, right? If we're looking at for instance nowadays Wallangsi or LinkedIn Helper, so you know, shorten certain ways, but then also we did things around for instance using Loom videos to send quick messages to to kind of like finding different ways, really trying a bit out and how to find key candidates but also things like very non-traditional ways of approaching people so back in the days we were working sometimes like gaming companies and people needed to have experience um, with specific games or at least like them um, so you needed to kind of yeah look on reddit or on certain kind of forums on whether people have interest in certain games right which was really back, back in the days but um and then I just went on from that and I always enjoyed the sourcing part um, while obviously interviewing and all is great. But it's just, I think that feeling of when you look at someone's profile, you feel like they 
could be really interesting. They could be the one kind of start, you know, messaging back and forth or craft a really cool message. I think, how can I approach them? And, and they will 100% get back to me. Or what is a way that they would really appreciate it? And obviously, at some point, when you go really um, a very early on quickly, um, already went down the route of like tech recruitment, right? So obviously, you know, stack overflow, GitHub, how to use that dribble other places you know um in general a lot of like x-raying um because that's that's free um and that was really really good so yeah Yeah. i think especially now in the kind of current market where the layoffs have been happening there's like thousands of people well at that point that was looking for roles right why is your message going to make them respond as opposed to other the other recruiters that would have sent them a similar message right and it's about being really creative in what you're doing especially when it comes to diverse talent um because there's not many of them so you've got one shot literally to to try and make them respond right (laughs) true true and that's that's the whole point and you need to you need to know that but i think it's also just understanding that um it's maybe not necessarily just a message, but everything around that and before that. And I see, I hear this a lot in interviews, but also I, I read this. Um, it's a lot also the the soft touch points you have before, like the company's perception. You know, if you, for instance, just have white males on your website or so on, or for instance, there's no stats around diversity and things, even if it's not at a at a level where you would want it to be, right? It's not, you know, like 50-50, which I think we most of the time aspire to do so, right? But it's really, really tough. But I think just being honest and transparent around it already shows candidates that you care about it, you're aware about it. Um, yeah, so I would say great messaging, but be aware of what your overall company's perception is yeah. and also understand, um, yeah, like overall what the message is that you're sending, like, what are all the other kind of preconceived notions which are which are out there, right? But in general, it's also just just following up more. Yeah, <laughs> you also just need to be a bit like, hey, uh, I'm not sure if you see my message. I really liked it. Obviously, hyper personalized messages, but I'm really be like, hey, I really would love to speak. Or you know, my my hiring manager really asked whether I was able to get in touch with you. This is our current problem. Not sure how you would solve that interested to hear about it and you know different ways and obviously you know having then team members reach out which is um usually has way higher response rates so um yeah but it's in general just it's tough um and that's that's just the truth but i think the more um less generic you can go about it the better it is yeah yeah yeah. And what advice would you give to, to kind of companies or those struggling to hire diverse talent? Um, what advice would you give on the sourcing side to really, really help them attract that talent? Uh, but also, like you said, um, get them on board and, and actually make them join. It's less about the message, right? Because they might respond to your message. But after that, what are you doing to really help yeah. them join? First and foremost, make sure you don't have all male panels, all male interview panels. Yeah. That's- First and foremost, um, know your kind of diversity stats or even just acknowledge that, you know, someone and I have it very often that diverse candidates, whether it's like, you know, female, but all from any other underrepresentative groups that they just ask, OK, how are you on that? Like, what are your policies? What do you do? Or even, you know, how is the current team composition? You should not shy away of these conversations. You should know um, the stats there. Right. I think that's super important. Um, and then also um, understanding how your employer brand is contributing to that, right? Like yeah. going into the spaces. So it's not just, for instance, on TA or people to go to specific kind of meetups or so or to kind of panels. Like you, for instance, as a, as a 
male engineering manager or someone, you should also then go to kind of events like Women in Tech and understand even what are the challenges of yeah. you know, being a woman in tech, right? And thinking that sentence on, on every one of us um, and really understanding that um, what are the challenges. Um, I think those are the things which are important. And then obviously in the end, it's representation matters. So the, the earlier you can get this right, the better, especially I think yeah. leadership level. Um, that's really important. Yeah. Wow. Honestly, such great insights there, Jasmine. I really, really appreciate it. So, you know, thank you so much for your time. Yeah. Thanks a lot. It's been a blast.